0: Lock Talk Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner.
2: And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson.
1: (laughs) Brian, what do you think about tonight's show?
2: I think it's going to be a great show tonight. We have a wonderful woman of God that we'll be talking to real shortly. And I think you all will be uh, in soothed and delighted and truly blessed to hear what she has to
1: say <laughs> you know what we've been talking with uh april for the last couple of days but you know what i've learned so much from her as far as business you know business and just just uh you know her being a woman man i've learned so much over these last couple of days and you and i we were just talking about this last night man it's a side of you know women go through things that you know We never ever thought that they, you know, a lot of things that they have to deal with.
2: I agree. I agree.
1: Yeah, you know, I tell you what, I just, I just have so much more respect for women now, from talking with women like um, Evangelist April Mason and uh, Olivia and a couple other women over the past couple of weeks. Man, I tell you what, it's been, it's been definitely an eye opener for me. What about you?
2: Hey, I tell you, it's been definitely a blessing and absolutely an eye-opener you know I learned things that I could actually take back and incorporate into my own life and into my own mindset so you know again we're going to have a great time tonight and you know if you if you want to call in you want to talk to April or talk to us call in number is 718-508-9600 that's 718-508-9600
1: you know what Brian I think tonight you know a healing is going to take place tonight for a lot of people, because you know April is transparent. She 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 will open up and tell you a lot about her past. And tonight's topic is all things are possible. And, you know, once you hear April, you will definitely say all things are possible. And you know, no matter where you are in your life right now, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay where you are. And I tell you what, I've I've just learned so much from just sitting back watching and just learning from, you know, this mighty woman of God.
2: Well, I think it's time to just bring her on in, and let's hear what she has to say.
1: (laughs) Our special guest tonight is evangelist, president, CEO, founder, and best-selling author, April Mason. April, April.
0: Y'all got me blushing and everything over here with all that good stuff. (laughs) It's the truth. It's the truth. (laughs) Wow. you, You make you think, well, hmm. I done, I done done some things, You make you feel good, make you feel proud. Yes,
1: you know what, you, you have definitely opened my eyes to so much, and you being transparent, uh, I remember a call, we were doing a show with Olivia, and you called in, and you just blew us all away with some of the things that you said.
0: Wow, you know, for me, at first I used to be ashamed of a lot of things, and, um, you know, God has me in a a place where I have to be transparent, I heard um, a young lady, well, a lady tell me as I was getting into ministry, she said, baby, you don't have to tell it all. Don't Everybody don't need to know everything. But that's not what God told me. That's right. You know, and it's like that's, you know, one of the things that's going on in the body of Christ. Folks ain't saying nothing, you mm-hmm. know, and we're looking at these people like everything is going great in their lives because so they look happy, they're smiling, hallelujah, and speaking in tongues and all that great stuff. But they live in hell. It's a completely double um, double lifestyle.
3: Yes, it is. And
0: it's the exact same thing as being double-minded. And James clearly speaks about being double-minded.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so April, you know, looking at your life as a child and looking at you know, looking at where you are right now, did you ever think that all things were possible, or did you ever think that you know what, where I am right now, my life can't get any better? Well, you know,
0: um, I'm old as a six, and I always said I was a guinea pig child <laughs> um, because, you know, they experiment on the first one. And then I grew up very religious, very traditional, ain't no wearing no pants, and you wear, you know, red fingernail polish, you Jezebel. I mean, I was just, you know, I was crazy in the brain, you know. And to be honest with you, as a child, no, I, I wouldn't think that I would be here. I wouldn't think that I would be here. But there was a there was a place in me that always would never die to let me know that I was going to be something big, something special, even though I went through everything I went through. I was more one of those, what you would call a self-motivator. I could put on some music, you know, I don't know, I forgot the name. I don't know if their name is Whitehead or that song Ain't No Stopping Us Now. Mm-hmm. I don't. I would put that on real quick.
3: <laughs> and,
0: you know, I would dance around and i get motivated, but... Uh, India Ari has a song on her latest CD, and it talks about how you're smiling and excited and motivated and everything, enthusiastic during the day, but soon as nighttime set, you're in tears. Wow.
3: Cool.
0: And that was pretty much was me. You know, I put the face on. I put it all on for everybody. And, but I came home, and it was like, you know, will things ever change?
2: April, you say you grew up in a, and you said it was like ultra-religious.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Can you give us a little more insight on what you mean about ultra-religious? I mean, some folks who are would say that they're not ultra-religious. They're just...
0: They don't you know, think they're ultra-religious right. is what that is. <laughs> what what, that, what I mean by that is some folks, I, I would say they, they're so holier than thou. I grew up where, you know, I thought being impoverished showed that you, and that you were suffering, showed that you were closer to Jesus. I thought shopping at the second-hand store or, um, like I said, couldn't wear, I couldn't wear pants to the 10th, 11th grade. Um, I couldn't, you know, do a lot of things. And it affected me in, you know, in my schooling because I went to school. I'm from California, and I went to school and everybody was I was already an outcast from I felt like from junior high actually from from everything that I can remember I I I remember for every year every I was say every level from elementary junior high and high school being an outcast all the time it was always you know me or someone was always picking on me and um I grew up to where I was I didn't have a relationship with God um even though I grew up in the church you would assume that I did but what happened was and what still happens is a lot of us, we really don't have a relationship with God. What we have is um, we're, we've been taught heaven or hell, and you're so scared to go to hell, you just say, okay, I love Jesus. But you really don't have an understanding of who he is. I used to think you could merit, you know, <laughs> your blessings. I'd be like, all right, Lord, I know that boy over there. He is, he is fine. God, you, God I'm, tr- I'm, I'm really trying not to lust. But he keeps calling and I'm trying not to go there. So my thing was, not, I didn't go there because, um, okay, God loves me more than anything in this world. I didn't go there because I didn't want my car the next day to go out, or I didn't want something bad to happen to me is what I thought. And not realizing that just like I have children, yeah, you know, my kids do stuff, and do I get on them? Yeah, I get on them, but not all the, t- all the time. Well, if you look at God as more of a father, as a parent, a parent don't like to chastise you. A parent knows that you're going to do wrong things. But their ultimate goal in life is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get on her. I can't wait to she do something. I'm just itching to get that. And I actually um, not too long ago realized that because I had to completely be deprogrammed that um, and know that who God was. Um, who Jesus is for myself, not because it was forced on me. I'm a Being in church and your uncles are apostles, your aunts are prophetess, your moms over the youth department, you didn't have a choice. If you didn't go to school, if you didn't go to church on Sunday, don't ask to go nowhere. It wasn't happening. You can't do Jesus, you can't do nothing else. <laughs> so oh. it was like we had to go. And um, I think, But you know what? I thank God you know, for that, though. I got to see a lot of different things. I grew up in... More deliverance ministries. I you know, used to see demons getting cast out of folks when I was, you know, my kids age, eleven, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. Um, so I I appreciate um, you know, what I saw and, and the things that, you know, I seen. But the thing is, they had us fasting on the other hand, I'm seven and eight. They're talking about breaking yolks. So we fast in three days and three nights, and I'm like, okay, y'all must be talking about egg yolks, because I don't know why we just ain't eating for three days and I'm seven. You know, or I'm or I'm nine. In elementary. So I think I can't really blame them because that's how, what they know. That's what they knew. That's what they grew up with. And I honestly can say my mom has done. You know, since then she was under. You know, a ministry and she did a complete. You know, 180. You know, she. You know, once she realized. You know that was that was that. But by that time I was already damaged. Because I by that time, I was in the 11th grade. Ooh. So that's what I mean by being ultra religious. And somebody asking you, um, like today I had some people that I was talking to and they were talking about men and women, and, you know, my thing is with the women. And I told them, if you want to keep your man at home, listen to Destiny's Child cater to you. Take some tips. You ain't too saved for that. (laughs) And, you know, I got some responses like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. You listen to Destiny's Child? Yeah, I listen to Destiny's Child. I listen to Jodeci and and anybody else that I, I know that I can handle. Everybody can't handle that.
2: Right.
0: So... That's what I mean about being ultra religious and just so so saved that nothing moves you and everything that comes out of your mouth is you can't say hello without oh yeah I'm just um, abundantly blessed and I'm yeah I'm a highly favored. Can we talk one on one? Sometimes you have to. I tell people um when I'm going through things and when I have people that I look up to when I I tell them don't tell me to pray about it. I need an answer right now. You know, you can. When I believe, a lot of times, you know, you pray about things, but sometimes you need some help. You need somebody there to say, "Look, sis, you are wrong. This is what needs to happen, and this is how you, you know, turn around and do the right thing." But a lot of times, people will just tell you, "Baby, just go pray about it. It'll be all right." That's because they don't have the answer, mm,
3: exactly. and
0: they don't have anything that they can give you because they ain't studied they were for themselves.
2: Ooh, tell it, but tell I, ain't it, tell to, it. Know,
0: I ain't trying to. I ain't trying to zip on nobody's toes tonight.
2: No, you know, I, I, I have another question. Um, actually, on that point, do you think that um, you know? Because I, sometimes I get that same thing that when I tell somebody the truth, that I'm being a little too harsh, or I'm not taking their feelings into account, you know. But I always tell them I'm commanded to tell you the truth, and so if I lie to you, then I'm not being obedient, you know. And some like you, like some people say, you know, they can't, they just can't handle the truth. So, you know, do you think that because they have that, that semblance of not being able to handle the truth that they don't want you to really tell them or they really don't tell you because they feel like, well, maybe she can't handle it.
0: Well, you know, this is my thing. You know, you hear about people that say they've been hurt by the church and, and they're not going back to church. To me, that's pretty much the same thing. Oh. But the thing is, look at this. We'll get hurt on a job, a man or a woman will do us wrong, but we'll go get another job, won't we? We'll go get another man or woman, so what's the, what's the difference? People pick and choose what they want to hear. So if you can sit back and say, you know, they can't handle it, we handle everything else. So I guess I was always told, April, you're a little harsh. You're a little – I said, man, what nobody soft on me? You know, and there's a way, of course, that you say things, and, you know, you you, you depending on who you're talking to. But wrong is wrong. I've had, man, I've been rebuked. I've been folks and told me stuff that was wrong, and they didn't have to tell me I already knew it was wrong. (laughs) So they didn't even have to tell me.
1: Yes. You know what, April? You know,
0: the devil will bring it to you raw. Why not tell it to everybody else raw? Right. Right. I mean, man, the devil will bring it to you right in your face. I mean, here it is. What you going to do? And then he'll let you know you already know that it's wrong. So, He'll just present it to you, and he doesn't even try to sugarcoat it. None. <laughs> wow. We're the ones that try to compromise it in our mind. Why it's right.
1: That's true. That's
0: true. You know, so I and I had to learn that, and God was like, "Girl, you better stop playing. You know, you ain't right."
1: Well, let me ask you this, April. When you were, you know, when you were growing up in California, what are some of the struggles that you had to overcome?
0: Well, um, you know, it's funny. Um, recently, I am not ashamed to say. In January, I went through a divorce, and as I was going through my divorce, after the divorce was final, I I found out on January 29th. So as a woman, you know, the the fleshly me came up because, y'all, I'm not, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all day, you know, even though I would love to be, you know, the flesh can, can kick in. So I was like, okay. Forget this. I'm not getting me no more men like this. I don't want this. I don't want that. And I want him to be this, and I want him to be that. And then I said, I'm going to get me an etiquette book because i got to be what I'm asking for. Well, as I was in Barnes & Nobles, um, also before that, before I even went to Barnes & Nobles, um, my pastor at the time said, baby, I want to cancel with you because it seems like you might have a lot of, you know, anger or you might be upset about some things that you may not have let go or that may be in you that you really don't know. And so I said, all right. But before I could meet with her, uh, as I'm going to get this etiquette book in Barnes & Noble, I walk by a book, and it says, How to Write Your Own Autobiography, and it sparked the interest. And I looked, and I opened the book, and it says, What are your first memories as your youth? And it forced me to go all the way back. And my very first memories at the age of five was being molested by my two female babysitters in a truck in Long Beach, California, as my mom was at work. Wow. Second, and then it says, what's your second memory at your, your youth? And I said, okay, thought about that. Being five once again, first of all, it even amazed me that I could even go back to the age of five. And I remember my mom's husband at the time was beating her up. And I remember waking up and getting a belt and trying to hit him to get him off her. And it sparked something. Mm -hmm. And from that point, I went home, and in a matter of about 20 minutes, I wrote about five pages of everything that I remembered. It wasn't in in, uh, chronological order, but I wrote everything that I remembered. Well, from that point, I I started looking over my life, and I was corrupted from the age of five. From that point on, uh, I remember our third grade being introduced to masturbation and porn in the third grade. Then I remember being introduced to uh, um, being molested by family members, cousins. We were all around the same age. So you figure, it's, you know, that's what's supposed to happen.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then growing up, I remember I, I turned into this, this I, I turned into what you would call a Delilah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, not a, I'm not ashamed to say it because when you grow up and you're exposed to certain things, you take on certain characteristics because of what you were exposed to. And what ended up happening was I remember I started to remember, you know, my stepfather, you know, trying to come in. The, I developed early. I developed, you know, third, fourth grade. You know, I had a body like I was, you know, in high school. But that still didn't give anybody the right. Well, I remember my stepfather, I used to love to watch Time at the Apollo because I just knew I was going to be an actress or a singer or something because my whole family, they're into the arts really tight. And he used to try to come in and touch on me, you know, as a kid, This was probably junior high, maybe early high school. And I used to remember tucking up under the covers real tight. And every time he would come in, you know, I would kind of move around, and and, you know, to make him think I was getting up. And then he would would leave. And then I remember meeting my biological father at the age of 16. And we met the first time, and he was cool. um, And then the second time I met him, you know, um, he made me take off all my clothes and he he said well i'm not sure if you actually my daughter you know so he wanted he wanted to experiment well this happened on more than one occasion so i dealt with this um from the age of 5 all the way up to the age of 16 17 years old and it was, it was kind of on and off but i i remember you know meeting a, a young lady and just so happened she knew uh, she was a cousin of mine on my um father's side and she says uh, I don't know how he came up, but she said, oh, you don't know about that side, do you? And I said, no. I said, I really didn't know him. And she says, well, you know, the men in their family believe that they're supposed to have sex with the women before anybody else do outside of family. And I hit the floor, you know. I'm like, what? Yes, yeah, said, this got to be, you got to be joking. And um, they had tried something with her as well. Well, all that stuff made me into this woman. Um, one of my cousins said, April, you should have been our ninth brother because I started treating men like men treated women. And I tell you, your girl used to break the baddest brothers down because it was, you're not going to do this to me. It won't happen. And I'll never forget, you know, one guy back home, All of the women loved him. I mean, when I tell you all the women loved him, he had so many women to the point to where he was eligible bachelor, great job, great car, nice house, real sweet, charming, just a little suave kind of guy. And one day I remember him being at my home and we were talking and he was just acting like he was all that, and then some. And I told him, sweetheart, you were only here um, for extracurricular activity. Be here by 8, be gone by 12. And he looked like, how could you – I'm like, he said, well, are you going out? And I said, yeah. And he's like, well, when are you coming back? I said, I'll be home around midnight or a little later. And I said, but if I want to see you, I'll let you know. And it was just that type of attitude.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, all my, you know, all the majority of my um, early 20s, even to my mid to mid 20s, I was just like ruthless. And it all stemmed from being corrupted, started being corrupted at the age of five. But the whole thing is what God revealed to me was, I used to say, God, why do these men get attached to me? You know, even though I could take them and ball them up like little paper and throw them away. And what he revealed to me was so powerful that it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know how God can take your, your mess and turn around and use it for his good. Everything that I did I created that Delilah atmosphere, and I believe that every every wife needs to have some Delilah in her, meaning Delilah created a safe place for Samson. She created a place where she wasn't nagging him. She wasn't, you know, hooping and hollering and, and you know, not keeping her hair combed, keeping herself together. She wasn't doing all that. But she created a place for him to be able to reveal his innermost secrets. And it, it blew my mind. And I'm like, okay, God, I, I got you. So everything that I did, I was actually learning a lesson. Yes. And But it was just so much, you know, that I had no idea, you know, that I would be, like I said, where I am now. Because for me it was just like, man, I would run through brothers like, and not necessarily meaning sex, cause just run through them just because I could. Yes. Just because it was, so, it was extracurricular activity for me. It was something to do and – it was one of those things where, you know, once I had you in my hand, you know, okay, I'm going to drop you like a hot potato before you can drop me. Yeah. There was no feeling involved. It was like, okay, next, you know. And then there, my mom's like, you're constantly changing yourself. And, and, and all this was I was so numb to love and numb to affection. I was numb to it. It was like, man, this is a game. I'm going to kick it. we going to the club and, that, and that's it. And I used to tell my girls, I said, watch what I do tonight. And I used to do some of the craziest stuff and just act like, it, you know, it wasn't anything. Yes. But it got crazy because um, I remember one time, the guy, uh, one guy that I really liked, and I was, we were dating and um, he wanted sex and I, I didn't feel like it. And he took it because that's what he wanted to do. And, you know, it would, and he the, the way he looked at me, you know, was like, you going to give it to me regardless. You gave it to me before. And he held me down and did what he wanted to do. And and kind of as he was getting up, walking out, out of the house, he looked at me with this little disgust look like, try it again. And at that point I got shook.
3: Wow.
0: <laughs> you know, I got shook. And, you know, God had been dealing with me, you know, with soul ties. A lot of times we wonder as women, and even men, but why we act the way we do. You don't realize that everybody that you've been encountered, even have sex with, their spirits and stuff are inside you. That's right. You know, and you're sitting here, I'll never forget, this one particular um, person that um, I had a strong soul tie with. He told me how depressed he was and how things that he was going through. And all of a sudden, um, I remember I was laid out on the floor for like 10 days, 7 to 10 days. I didn't eat. I lost about 10, 12 pounds. And I was on the floor, rolling around. I'm like, God, what is going on? I've never felt this type of bondage before. And that's what it was. And I was like, wow, you know, this they wasn't playing. This is some for real showing off stuff. And a lot of us wonder, you know, why are we crying? Why are, why are you crying? Why are, you, know, I would just bust out crying just for no reason. You know, just sitting in my car and, and crying. You know, I'm like, well, I don't even know what I'm crying for. I'm crying, might be thinking I'm crying behind a man, but actually I really don't even like him. Right. But you're, you, you, I mean, your emotions have taken over and you, you're, you're caught up in these situations and you're doing things that you really don't want to do. Because right. in, in the book of Romans, it talks, um, Paul talks about the things that he should do, he don't, but the things that he don't want to do is what the things that he do. So I could be right in, in the midst, uh, midst of fornication, but I really don't want to be there. I'm just doing it just because the flesh is calling that. I really don't want that in the mind.
1: And you know what? And that's happening a lot. But you and I talked last night. You said you had a solution for that. You had a prayer. You had a prayer.
0: There's this prayer um, that I, I mean, for everybody that's listening and you can go back and listen to it, there's a prayer that I believe anyone that has had had premarital sex um, should read. And the prayer is, Father, in in the name of Jesus, I submit my soul, my desires, and my emotions to your spirit. I confess as sin all premarital sexual relationships and all sexual relationships outside of marriage. I confess all my ungodly spirit, soul, and body ties as I sin. I thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me right now. Thank you for giving me the keys of your kingdom, the keys of spiritual authority. What I bind is bound and what I loose is loosed. What I buy, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, in Jesus' name, I ask you to loose me from all soulish ties to past sexual partners and ungodly relationships. Please uproot all of the tentacles of sexual bondage, of emotions, longing, and dependencies, and of enslaving thoughts. I bind, renounce, and resent, resist any evil spirits that have re- reinforced those soul ties or may have been transferred to me through evil associations. Please cleanse my soul and help me to forget all illicit unions, so that I am free to give my soul totally to you and my mate. Father, I receive your forgiveness for all past sex sins. I believe I am totally forgiven. Thank you for remembering my sin no more and for cleansing me. I commit myself totally to you by your grace. Please keep me holy in spirit, soul, and body. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow.
1: If you're just joining in, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our guest is Evangelist April Mason. If you have any questions or comments for April, the phone number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. April. Yes. I think I am uh, probably want to go to the phone lines right now. I have a couple people that's been waiting to talk to you. Okay. Caller from the 317 area code, are you there? Caller from the 317 area code. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, go ahead. Oh, I'm
3: sorry. <laughs> um, um, hi, I talked to you yesterday. My name is Nikki Richardson.
1: Hey, Nikki, how hey. are you?
3: Hey, how are you? And... Uh, I have a similar testimony, and uh, mine as far as I was. I didn't grow up in church, and I was molested from when I was 9 to 12 by my uh, brother and sister's father, and that led me down another way. It was like a reverse of hers. Uh, it led me to be more submissive to men and let men do as they pleased with me. Right. And it also led me to drugs, alcohol. I had my daughter when I was 16. I had my son when I was 20. Um, It led me to perverse. I had sex with women before. Um, All type of bondage. I hated myself. I hate to look at myself and all type of uh, insecurities. When me and my husband, we first got together, I was in so much bondage and so insecure that I was basically sabotaging our relationship because I felt it was too good to be true. How could somebody love me? out of all the things that I've done, out of all the men that i slept with, out of all the drugs that I had done, out of all, everything that everybody put me through. I was in relationships, the type of relationships where I worked in the men set at home, because I felt I couldn't do any better. So I just wanted to, you know, come in and just, you know, and just applaud you for your testimony. And I, I post my testimony everywhere, because as like you, I'm not ashamed. Amen. I'm not ashamed of my testimony. I'm not ashamed of nothing I've been through because it sets people free.
0: It does. There's so because, many people hurting. You know mm-hmm. that that you you think you look at folks, and that and that was the funny thing about me. Um, and I had to ask God why people at all that I went through. People would always see every time I go somewhere. People would say, "Oh, they my my nickname that I've been given is." Uh, Baby Oprah all the time. They're like, I don't know, it's just baby Oprah. Okay. And they would see the outside all the time. And they, not knowing that I am just dying, you know, on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, of course, the MAC makeup is right. The hair is done. The nails is done. The shoes and suit and briefcase is off the chain. But oh, I am inside. just sitting here like, okay, you know. And you hear the – it was to the point to where compliments didn't move me anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't care how pretty they, I, I, they told me I was. That didn't move me no more. I like, all right, what you want? Okay, I'm cute. Now what? I can tell myself I'm cute. What do you want? And sometimes brothers, they was like, brothers don't, um, ain't trying to get nothing from you. They was looking like, hold on, sis. I was just trying to tell you, you, you look nice today. And I'm immediately like, what you want? Because <laughs> it didn't
1: move me no more. Let me ask you, and uh, April, let me ask you and Nikki a question. With all the things that happened in your life, did it make you harden your heart Jimmy?
3: Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I was very bitter, very angry. And my mother said when I grew up, when I was growing up, when I was a baby, I, I was just so sweet. And I would say, hi, tree, bye, tree. I spoke to everything. Everything that God created, I spoke to. Hi, sun, high moon, everything. And then just when, when that happened to me, it just turned me all around. Wow. Just, it, crisis, yeah, right. just it, by being molested. he You know, he would molest me and then... He would fight my mom, you know, he was on drugs and alcohol. And all those years I thought my mom knew, but in reality she really didn't. And so I had resentment towards my mother. You know, I had resentment towards my sister because that was his child, and I hated her, you know, because of him. There were times, you know, I ran away. You know, I was, I slept with anybody who said I was pretty.
0: Um, see, and that, and that happened. You know, I was a runaway as well, too. I mean, I was, and my, my mom, you know, didn't know. But the thing is, it was so funny. As I was going through the healing process, I told um, my parent, and and you know, I, I I think that there was there's some family secrets there that maybe um, they're not talking about. But the response was, um, we got into an argument, and um, she she said, I told her you didn't protect me. This is that's what's wrong with me because we never we didn't get work close. And she said, protect you from what? And I said, um, and I told her, you know, I was molested by this one now and the other. And the thing is, the response was oh, it's my fault because you didn't tell me. And then I get I got the, um, you were wearing the low-cut shirts and mm-hmm. skirts. Why the heck you think I was wearing, Why First of all, why would you allow me to uh, wear them? All
3: right.
0: So, you know, that was the response I got. And then it was so funny when things started coming out. I got, a cousin called me and she told me some stuff, you know, and I was like, wow. You know, some stuff to wear. You know, her brothers used to sell her. You know, she would wake up, and we're all, we're all junior high, maybe seventh grade, um, and she was telling me how her brother, you know, might have wanted, he was like a year or two older than us, he might have wanted a radio from one of his little friends, and she would wake up and somebody would be performing oral sex on her because he didn't sold her to get a radio.
1: You know what? With all of this bad, the bad things that happened to the both of you, now, when you look back over your life and you look at your future, I can ask you this question. Are all things possible at this point?
0: Oh, man, yeah, All things please. That, you know, it's so funny, and I was going to get to how I ended, even ended up um, even getting to the point to where I wanted to change. And, and my my motto is when you change your thoughts, you change your life. And once your thoughts started changing, because my thing is, like I said, I always felt like um, it's something, it got to be something better out there. It has to be. And, and I could always feel that I had something great in me. Just didn't know, you know, how to bring it out and, and how it was going to come out and what I would in, um, end up doing. And one day, um, I don't know if I, we didn't get to, you know, I had kids. I had, by the time I was 23, I had um, three kids, kids. Um, and I raised them. When I was 23, my kids were 5, 3, and not even 1 years old. Now they're 13, 11, and 9, they They're my little babies. And I remember I was going through, I had gotten a job, before I had even gotten to the workforce, my mind was, okay, I have these kids and I refuse to be a doggone statistic. I used to see success on, success on television for me was, I saw a woman, her hair was done, she looked successful, she was smiling, her makeup was right, everything was in place, and I said, I want to be like that. Didn't know how I was going to be like that or why or what kind of line of work I would get into. Um, and I just kept saying, that's what I want to be. So that's what I took on. Wow. And from that point on, when I, and, and I'm not ashamed to say this as well, I used to be, but because of where I am now, I, I'm not even moved. I dropped out of high school in the 12th grade, not because I was stupid, but because of what I went through. You know, I grew up not having having a lot, and I got talked about and picked on. She don't wear these kind of clothes, and she don't wear that kind of clothes, and I went to a very bougie high school. And so I said, you know what, the heck with this. I'm, I'm finished. And I thought, you know, okay, I don't have all this stuff. So I tell everybody, door A never worked for me. I created my own opportunities. I knew I had some talent somewhere, just didn't, hadn't tapped into it. Well, after I had my kids and, you know, things we, uh, weren't going all that great, um, um, and I said, okay, God, now what? I was living in L.A. I had lost my job. Things weren't going, you know, great. And I'm fast-forwarding up to two, uh, 2003. And Well, I'll even go back. I, in 2000, I, ha- I, I had a job and I was, I was getting ready to start a job, and I, I had quit a job, I'm sorry, and I was working, and I was asking God, God, I'm tired of, um, you know, my kids being be in daycare when it's dark, you know, me coming home when it's dark. And, and that Christmas I went home to Oakland to visit um, my parents, um, for my family for the holidays, and I prayed about it. I said, God, what am I going to do? Well, he gave me the idea to start a gift basket business. That wasn't me because as of when I – When I blossomed, I became a diva in the 11th grade. So I I got cute then. So there was uh, putting hands-on type stuff. Oh, that wasn't me. Modeling, okay, I could probably do that. But you want me to do something manually, some domestic type stuff? That wasn't it. But (laughs) that's what God gave me. (laughs) Well, that was December of 2000, and I procrastinated, self-doubted. Well, March came around. March or April, I think it was March, and Easter was that year, and I made my kids Easter baskets like I normally do. Well, My neighbors saw them. I'm like, April, who did those? Those are gorgeous. And I was like, oh, I did, you know, nothing big. And I made like $200 that Easter just making Easter baskets for the kids in the neighborhood. Um, Well, that sparked me uh, to start a gift basket business. I took $50 from a welfare check and started my gift basket business. And once I did start working a job, I took some baskets to work. And I had them sitting on my desk, and one of my um, employee, employee, uh, coworkers, I'm sorry, said, April, those are beautiful. And I said, oh, thank you. You know, this is what I do. And she says, I want to order two baskets. I'm like, and I was excited. So I charged the basket she wanted. I charged her $95, and that was for both of them. Well, she wrote me a check for 125 And I said, okay. And that same day she came back, she said, um, I need two more by Monday, and this was Friday. So I said, okay. She paid $125. i will charge her 125 She wrote me a check for $150. And she looked at me and said, stop underselling yourself. She said, you do beautiful work. She said, you can go to the local grocery store and pay $100 for something that's filled with a lot of paper. And what you're doing is 100% better than that. So in a matter of one day, I made $275 in one day. After that, I was like, okay, this is the ticket. I got something. Everything is going great. This is it. Well, I started, you know, making money that way on the side as I was working my job. But I lost that particular job and things started going crazy and it's so funny you never know who's going to be a blessing to you I had met a guy on the internet back in 2000 and we were still friends, um, He never dated never tried to talk to each other or um, anything like that and I was going through, I had lost that job in 2003 and I talked to him um, out of the clear blue, we hadn't um, talked to one another in about six months um, and she says and he says, April, what's going on? And I told him, you know, things weren't going right and I had lost my job. Um, and he says, well, you, okay. And he leaves it at that. The next morning, I get a phone call. And the way that God deals with me, he deals with me, you know, in twos. And that things were going so bad, I had it ended up going to a shelter. And how God works with me is. He'll give me an opportunity to take do, take something that I really like or give me something that's going to require me to step out on faith. And well, as I was in the shelter, a job opened up in the county as a commercial credit manager, and I knew I would get the job because that's my background. But the same day that I saw that, my friend called me back and said, well, you know what? I know we never met. I know, you know, things are going bad, but... I have an empty house out there in Georgia that you and the kids can go live in, and you can stay there until you find it. You don't have to pay rent until you find a job. My thinking was, boy, stop playing. What I got to do? Be your woman, be your girl, you know, what? And he said, you know what? He said, you're fine, but you ain't that fine. I just want to help you. I never had a man tell me anything like that and do want to do something so tremendous for me and not want anything back. Well, I tell you, everybody thought I was crazy. April, you going to Georgia? You don't know anybody there. And he didn't even live in Georgia. He lived in another state. He just had his house um, on the market for sale for a year, and it hadn't sold, and his job had taken him to Mississippi. So it was empty. So I sent the keys to him. He sent the keys to me in the mail, and I was like, wow, you know, I got the keys. Never been to Georgia, never seen the place. I talked to my pastor about it, and he says, April, I believe you're the female Abraham. And he said, you know, go if you're at peace with it. And I was at peace. So on October 17th, 2003, myself and my three kids with $300 that somebody had given me got in my, at the time, 1990 Chrysler the Baron convertible. Now, you know them convertible, two doors, that's small, and you've got three kids and some clothes. Right. The only thing I took of value other than ourselves was my computer. And the funny thing about it, how the enemy try, wants to try you is, Two days before I was to leave, I found out that my license was suspended and I didn't have any insurance. And it was like, all right, God, if this is what you gave me, I'm at peace with it. You know, I'm leaving. But that day, that same the next, the day before, my car had started having problems, and my next door neighbor, um, she she called AAA for me, and the AAA guy came and he says, um, pick a card, any card. I'm like, man, just go ahead and fix the car and he said just pick a card you know any any card so i picked um a card and i and i looked at the card and i'm thinking you know they're playing cards and you know we were taught, you know you go to hell if you know you play play the cards but it was so funny i looked at the card and it said i can do all things through christ which strengthens me mm. and that was confirmation and he was just so excited, and it, it was almost like he was an angel because he immediately, after I turned around and the car was fixed, I turned around and he was gone. I, 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 couldn't, I didn't even hear the car, the tow truck start and him leave. And I was like, God, that might have been an angel right there. So I got in the car at 7 a.m. on the 17th of October, and my children and I, with no license, no insurance, not knowing if there's a car, I mean, excuse me, a house there, we were gone. And I said, regardless of if there's a house there or not, I'm still going to make it happen in Georgia. I got here, and when God blesses you, he blesses you in abundance. I'm driving. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, we didn't have money to stay in hotels, so we stayed at rest stops. And I'm driving, and I finally hit Georgia. And I'm getting here, and I'm looking for this house. And I'm like, man, it better be a house here, you know. And I'm getting here, and all of a sudden I see a golf course. Now, in California, if you're living on a golf course, you're paying over $500,000, $600,000 for your home. And I see the golf course, and I see these – Beautiful fairway. I see a deer cross the road, and it's very quiet. I tell you, when I pulled up to the house, beautiful home, I said, well, before I wake the kids up, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to see if the key works. Open the door, put the key in, unlock the door, and all I saw was vaulted ceilings with beautiful chandeliers. The house was only two years old. And I thank God so much for this, because when he blessed you, bless you, he doesn't just give you junk. And I had a brand new house and a brand new state. Didn't know anybody there, and uh, I met people online that I knew there. When they knew I was coming, it was so funny. Um, one young man, he says, "April, you my girl, and I, I love talking to you." He brought over pots and pans and and couches and all kind of stuff. Another young lady I met, she was there. April, I'm just so happy you here. You made it. I couldn't even believe that you came. And you, it was funny as she was a Jehovah Witness, but it had not But our friendship. It was not based on our own religion, and we were so tight. She called and checked on me two or three times a day. So with that, um, fast-forwarding, things went well. Everything went great. When I moved to Georgia, December 2004, I opened up my first gift basket retail store. Then I opened up another company um, which helped business owners establish credit through the business without using personal credit. And that was triggered because a girl came into my life telling me about it, but I'm not realizing this is my background, this is what I do. So she came in my life for two weeks just to trigger something, and my business has been successful ever since.
1: Wow. April, we have another caller from, uh, I think, from uh, from the Atlanta area. hmm
3: 770,
1: caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? 770? I guess they must have hung up. We have someone from we have another caller that's holding on from the 478 area code. But before I do that, let me give out the number to the rest of the listeners out there. The call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. Caller from the 478 area code, are you there? Caller, are you there? Yes. 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 Hi. Hi, hi, April's listening.
3: Um, you say you moved out um on faith to come way to Georgia um and I was just inspired by that because, um God is leading me to make some um make a move, and you're not knowing all the details and not knowing how it's gonna work out, but I'm just inspired to hear you say you just moved out on what God what that inner man was telling you. And in the process of you moving out, you was blessed. So um, that that really inspired me tonight to hear that, because sometimes you want to know how it's gonna happen. You don't have the means, and you don't know nobody there, and you got small kids. How it all gonna fall in place? But um, just by you just moving out on what God say, you know, move, He will make the way. Right. And, and to, to be, be honest way.
0: with to be honest with you, the three hundred dollars I had, <laughs> the guy that I got the house from, I was supposed to leave that that Saturday. And he's like, April, what happened? And I said, the person that was supposed to bring me didn't come, and they owed me money, and they couldn't, you know, they didn't show up. So he says, well, how much money do you think you need? And I said, well, about $300. He said, all right, I'm going to the Western Union, and I'm going to wire it to you. So I came on straight face. April was broke. (laughs) When I got here, I had $50 to my name when I got here and three kids to feed when I got here. So everything had just, you know, lined up. You have to stop, uh, people have to stop self, um, self-doubt. When self-doubt kick in, that is just a trick of the enemy because I would sit there and think, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I can't do this and maybe I can't do that. It works for everybody else. And I even went to say this Jesus stuff don't work for me. You know, because I'm seeing everybody else blessed, and it just don't seem to work for me. It didn't work for me because I didn't have, allow it to work for me, and it also didn't work for me because I didn't have a true relationship with God. I had that traditional stuff, let's fast and pray, but I could never seem to complete the fast because I'm fasting out of ritual. I'm praying out of ritual. I'm not doing it because of my relationship with God, and that's first and foremost. We hear messages about reaching for our destiny, and actually that's, that's um the name of my ministry, reaching for my destiny ministries, but we're we talking about destiny and, and you know and, and prosperity, and it's your time. man, we got to get past this other stuff first. I would hear those messages, but it's like I'm, I'm in turmoil on the inside. I'm sitting here, and it was so funny when you get in wrong relationships and you know they're wrong, and you really don't want to be a part of them. It's this longing thing that comes on. like all of a sudden, some days it will be like, man, I can't seem to get him out of my head. I wake up with him on my mind. He's he's here. I mean, it, this it was just, and I knew it was wrong. And it's like this this longing, this this um overtaking. And you know, in your mind is wrong, but there's something inside of you that won't let it go because yet there's a soul tie there, and he's wanting you just as um so what, his wants him wanting you. You are feeling that the effect. It, it's like it's almost like um you know something off. Star Wars or something, you know, that that, those beams that, you know, you see the beams and they're pulling and pulling, pushing and pulling, it's the exact same thing. So once we get past all that first, clean up the garbage, yes, we come to God as we are and he'll do the rest, but if you're not discipled correctly, you can forget about it. Because you 're teaching money, 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 and you're wondering why people aren 't getting blessed and people aren 't getting uh, being prosperous in their health and in their life and in their finances and that 's because they ain't flip up onto the the door first they haven 't went to the root of things. I had to go all the way back to the root, and as you guys hear me say, I started this at the beginning of January only thing that only thing that uh, that triggered this was after my divorce, and I saw that book. If I would not have saw that book, I would not have had the the, uh, to open up and, and do everything, you know, that God has had me to do. And with that, you know, it was told to me, prophesied to me two years ago that I would write a book. Well, I wrote two books, How to Start a Gift Basket Business and How to Build Business Credit. Those weren't the books that it was talking about. Um, the book will be finished before the summer is out, and hopefully if everything God says the same, it will be um, published, and um, you'll be able to purchase it by October. And I'm like, God, the people have to know this. And the title of the book is, you know, and I know the Christian community going might get upset, but the title of the book is, "Am I a Nasty Girl?" And I got God gave me that because that's what I thought. Because of everything that I went through, starting from the age of five, made me to believe that all I had was a pretty face and my sexuality. That's all I was working with. So that's what I used to get what I wanted. And God's like, no, baby, that, that I didn't just make you for that. You got a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, that don't even require or anything like that. And I took it and I said, all right, God, I accept the assignment.
3: <laughs>
0: I accept it. And I've I've had some backlash about it, but nobody has a heaven or hell to put you in. So you do what God tells you to do. And make sure you're hearing from him. And the only way you can hear from him is if you know who he is, not traditionally or religiously. You have to know who he is and have a relationship with him. And it's to the point to where, you know, um, I teach some of the women, y'all want husbands, but you won't even get up before you pray and get dressed for your father. Get if God is your father and your husband, you get up and get cute for him first, and then you go pray. Don't try to, you know, you want all this stuff and you want him to give you some stuff, and you wondering why these relationships ain't working. You're not even honoring him yet. You're not even submitting to him yet. So I said, all right, God, let, hold on, I said, I'm i going to pray today. I'm, I'm going to pray. Let me go get cute. Let me go, you know, put my clothes on, comb my hair like if I was doing for my husband. Like, actually, what I used to do, I used to get up before he went to work, and I used to, get, I used to make sure I was the finest thing he seen when he left the house and the finest thing when he came home. Just because I'm not married no more, that doesn't change because change cause God is my father and my husband now. So, you know, and I can go into, you know, deeper into that, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother baby right there. <laughs> a whole nother baby. But we have to have real relationships. And a friend of mine told me, great advice was, she says, April, forget about everything you learned as far as about God and Jesus coming up as a kid and growing up. She said, forget about it. Forget, act like you don't know anything. And start reading your Bible from Genesis and get an understanding for yourself. And when I did that, I mean, I saw some stuff that I was like, hold on, they told me I couldn't wear pants. It don't say that. You know, they told me I couldn't wear no lipstick. It don't say that. You know, so you have to start learning for yourself. People have been in church 15, 20, you know, years and still going on what the preachers say. And to to the point to where if I'm watching a pastor on television and he gives a scripture, I'm going to that scripture. And it's been so many times that it's been taken out of context.
1: That's true.
0: And you're sitting there like, okay, you hear one thing, but tell me the scripture before that and let me know the scripture after that, what you read, because I need to get understanding. And once we start knowing um, God for ourselves, I mean, we'll be so much better off, but I tell all my ladies out there, regardless of what you've been through, if I can do it and I was a bad mama jamma doing what I wanted to do, <laughs> you definitely, I mean, can do it. And like tonight, I've only touched the surface you know, of what I've done and the things, you know, that I've been, I've been through. And, I, you know, I have, I've been through the physical abuse by my kid's father to the point to where you wouldn't even, even have recognized my face. We used to fight like that. Raped, yes. Molested, yes. Abused, yes. Um, un- misguided, unloved. I've been through all that. And if I can do it, through God, anybody can do it. And I did it with three kids. And to this day, my, my kids, like I said, are 13, 11, and 9. And they love their mom to death. They think I am just the best thing walking. But even when I didn't believe that. So, like I said before, as soon as you change your mind, that's the sooner your life will change. As soon as you start seeing, seeing, seeing yourself in a better position, as soon as I saw that successful woman on television with her hair pretty and, and looking like she's about something that's when I took that on and say, well, if she can do it, what makes her better than me? And I took that on. And I said, all right, well, let me start wearing my hair like this. Let me start looking the part, looking like what I want it to look like. I didn't want to be treated a certain way, so I didn't look, the way, look that way. And from that point on, I tell you, I don't get hit on by thugs. I don't get hit on by jokers that's trying to just, you know, hey, shout it. You know, I don't get that in the least bit because I changed my mind. And once you do that, I mean, the sky's the limit. Well, tell them, April. Tell them about the the time you went and
1: um, you. You actually have speaking engagements at colleges, and I think you were right. on some panel or some board with right really prominent people.
0: Right, and you know it was so funny. Um, here in Atlanta, I'm one of the entrepreneur speakers at one of the um, colleges here, and it was funny how they they heard about me because uh, I was in the Atlanta uh, newspaper. Once. They did a story on me when I opened up my gift basket business, and I told them how it happened and, you know, welfare check and all that. And so the, one of the professors contacted me, and um, it was funny. You know, I told her, well, I don't have no high school diploma, so, you know, look. But I, she said, but that doesn't matter. You're successful. So I went in, and I, tell, I always tell the students, I said, it's, it amazes me how I'm here talking to you about being successful when I didn't even succeed at getting my high school diploma. And I said, I'm not, I said, I'm not bashing education because, I, you know, honestly, I wish I would have finished. One guy, he says, well, if you made $60,000 that year at um, your gift basket business, what do you need a high school diploma for? <laughs> he, he said, most folks trying to, you know, get that, and you did it, you know, with something, you know, creatively from your mind, using your mind. And I said, you know what, you're right. I said, but that's a self thing. You know, sometimes we want to do things for ourselves. And then that same, um, I think right after that, um, DFACS is a, a large um, – Children and Family Services here in Atlanta, and I got a phone call from them wanting me to be on their panel for their, um, their youth conference. And I was on the panel with one of the Atlanta Falcons, and then there was a guy that played basketball um, for the start, start with a W, Wolverines or somebody. Then there was a uh, black lady that owned um, several. She owned six Wendy's here in Atlanta, and I was on the panel. And I was just like, they got a little, little meat, you know, on the panel. And the enemy caught to kick in, y'all, and say, who are you to be up here with these people? You know, you you haven't su- succeeded like they have. And it's so funny, when I got up to talk, uh, one lady came up after after I finished and said, let me know when you preach your first sermon. And then an, I tell you no lie, after that, all of the young girls and the women that were there, they came up to me crying and hugging me hugs and saying, I've been through that. I've been through this, I've been through that, and my mom is there, and, and I just can't believe, you know, you know, you're doing it. You don't have to have come from, you know, being with a silver spoon in your mouth. You can make, you know, your own opportunities. And I'm just one that I create my own opportunities. When I sleep, y'all, I, got, I get ideas in my sleep, and I'll be wanting to start a new business tomorrow because you have to use what you got. Use, search out and find out what you have a passion for. Normally, things you have a passion for, you'll do um, even if you didn't get paid to do them. Find out how to make uh, income, a living at doing that. Because corporate America was ain't for me. I couldn't be micromanaged by nobody anymore because God given me the ability to tap into the gifts and talents that He's given me, and my just my gift just happened to be to gift the gab. I can talk, and I'm He gives me creative ideas, and I said, well, okay. If Oprah get paid to talk, Dr. Phil get paid to talk, and all these other little stupid little uh, shows that we we come on, um, what's his name? Um, oh, God. Jerry Springer, why can't I? Am I not, you know, where they are and then some? <laughs> you know, what, what makes me different? You know, why can't I? So that's the attitude that I have. I feel like I can do anything and have anything that I want to have.
1: So April, if someone want to get in touch with you for speaking engagements or seminars or anything, how would they get in touch with you?
0: Um, you can visit the web at um aprilemason.com or you can email me at reaching the number four mydestiny at mail.com. And for all my MySpaces out there, um, I am Woman of Wonders on MySpace.
1: Okay. What do What do you have coming up? I know you have
0: uh, something going on
1: in Virginia.
0: Yes, well, my girl Olivia, Olivia, I know you're listening, girl. Uh, we have a conference coming up called "Learn How to Work It and Still Stay Virtuous," and that's August third. If you have not registered, get out there and register. There are going to be so much information and resources at this event, and you cannot miss it. If you're in the Virginia area, if even if you're not in the Virginia area, you know, try to make your way out. Um, and make it to this conference because Olivia, she has something for you, and all of the other speakers, you know, have something for you. We have a young, a young lady that used to be a prostitute, prostitute. Now she's a, a pastor, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That's going to be there. Yes, yeah, saw
3: that.
0: Yeah. Um, for mer- more information on that, go to Olivia's website. Olivia, um, and sp- her last name is spelled S T I T H. dot com. And, um, slash, God is my lover. So, Olivia, S T I T H dot com, slash, God is my lover, and register, because this is going to be a hot event. And then we have a conference coming here to the Atlanta area in October, and it's going to be hot. It's going to be smoking. Uh, it's called Broken But Not Bound. And when I tell you, we have a line of speakers, as well as, um, gospel artists that are going to perform, and it's just going to shake the whole nation. we got to get in order. we ca- we got to get to where God has us to be. But in order to get there, we got to clean. We got to let some stuff go. And a lot of times we can't let stuff go because we don't know we, we're holding on to it. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. You know what? For all the people that are listening out there right now, you know, we thought we had some bad things that happen in our lives. And after listening to you and, you know, wearing your shoes just for tonight, just for an hour, all things are
0: possible exactly to him that believe you got to believe it though if you don't believe it nobody else is going to believe it for you Brian did you have anything for April?
2: no I'm just basking in the glow right now <laughs> I'm, I'm just so encouraged by you know by her testimony and you know I can tell you that God has some great things for you to do you know that nobody else can do but you so when, when he tells you what to do do it well
0: Hey Amen. I told God the other day, thank you for entrusting me with this baby. This this is this is a big big baby to carry, and it, it's a big thing to do, and it's the big thing to go out and start talking about homosexuality and 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 molestation and all that stuff that you know folks go through. But somebody got to do it and be, keep it real and not just tap on it a little bit and then move on until we co- let's collect the offering. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> you know.
1: Once again, this has been the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for listening and the callers. We thank you so much, and we pray that tonight is uh, the beginning of a new life for you. You've heard April tell you her story. I know we all have our own stories and our own things that we have to deal with. But with that, please be encouraged, and please know that all things are possible if you believe. With that being said, April, we thank you. We thank you so much for coming on. Thank
0: you for having me on. I, I had a great time with you guys. Thanks a lot.
1: <laughs> okay, with that being said, this has been the Abundance Solutions Hour, and our next show will be July 6th. That's Friday at 9 p.m., and our special guest will be Pastor T.D. White. Thank you, April.
0: Thank you. Have a blessed one. You Bye-bye. too. Bye-bye.